Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for one thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this evening and the weather slowly changing here in Miami. We thank you for this time to gather as your people to pray, to sing songs of worship to you. We thank you for your word that teaches us and guides us and instructs us and encourages us. And so, Lord, we pray that as we sit under the teaching of your word, we pray that you would humble us, that you would encourage us with your grace, and you would make known to us your truth as we live and seek to care for our soul uh, through the struggles that we face. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight we are closing our series entitled Soul Care with a topic that I know every one of us here relates with. Some of the ones previously you may have kind of felt at different levels to varying degrees and uh, different situations, but I, I can almost guarantee that every one of us here resonates with our season finale, which is burnout. And I don't mean burnout, the thing we used to do in high school when you took your parents' car and you hit the brake and you took a little bit off the brake and hit the gas and smoked the tires and burned them out. We're not talking fast and furious here. We're talking about emotional, mental, and often physical exhaustion caused by prolonged and repeated stress. I'm going to say that again. Tell me if this resonates with your soul. Emotional, mental, and often physical exhaustion caused by prolonged and repeated stress. Burnout is something that is a mainstay in our society. In fact, studies show that in America, among the adult population, at any given time, 23% of American adults are struggling with burnout. One in five, almost, are facing burnout at any given moment in our society. Emotional, mental, physical exhaustion caused by prolonged and repeated stress. And you may be thinking to yourself, I don't really know if I, if I struggle with burnout. I mean, I'm emotionally exhausted, yes, I'm you know, mentally exhausted, and I'm physically tired at times, but that's simply because I'm grinding, <laughs> I'm hustling. I'm working hard. I have a strong work ethic. This city, it, ju it just pushes me, the energy, and so I'm de devoting a lot of time to my career and to some of my hobbies as well because that's just where I'm at in life. That's my stage. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's burnout. Now, I do want to tell you this, and this is, you know, good news. The Bible is very clear about work ethic, it tells you and it encourages you that a strong work ethic is a virtue. 
So if you're like, hey, I'm just, I'm just hustling, I'm grinding, I'm, you know, I'm advancing in my career, I'm at this stage in my life where I'm just trying to you know, improve different aspects of my life, and you know, I'm looking for a relationship, so I'm focusing on that too, and I'm, I'm just really devoting a lot of time and attention to different things, the Bible says that actually focus and work ethic is a biblical virtue. But work ethic has nothing to do with burnout. Burnout is not about how hard you're working. It's about living out of rhythm. It's a difference. So you can be facing burnout and be working really hard, or you can be facing burnout and be slacking off in every area of your life. It has nothing to do with how hard you're working. It has to do with living out of rhythm. And you can tell that you're facing burnout or currently in burnout because there's a few things that will be true of you. Few markers. One is you probably have a heightened sense of criticism towards other people, projects at work, just anything in your life, even probably movies. You're just watching a movie, you're like, this is the worst movie. Five out of ten. I'm gonna go on, in fact, I'm gonna go on Rotten Tomatoes and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna write a little blurb about it. You have this heightened criticism in your life, especially towards others. You're probably also struggling with ineffectiveness. You're ineffective maybe at work. You're ineffective in some relationships. You're struggling with ineffectiveness. And lastly, you are probably facing chronic negativity when you're in a stressful situation or in a non-ideal situation. So you will notice that when you are placed in a stressful environment or in a situation that you don't necessarily really want to be in, you're negative a lot. Whether you vocalize it or you think it, there's this chronic negativity Chronic negativity, heightened criticism, and ineffectiveness are some markers that you're probably on the path to burnout or you're currently in burnout. 23% of us, that means, you know, if you look around the room and you look at four people, one of them's in burnout. And probably the rest of us feel like we're about to be there. But burnout isn't about your work ethic. It's about living out of rhythm. Some of you know this about me. Some of you don't. But I love snowboarding. Any snowboard fans in the room? Snowboarding? How many skiers? Right. Okay. Um, snowboarding's better, sorry. Um, skiing's great too. You know, just being on the mountain and skiing and snowboarding and enjoying nature and that environment is freeing. And I love snowboarding because snowboarding is about rhythm. It's not about balance. It's about rhythm. It's about flow. It's about adjusting to your surroundings. It's about not just pushing forward, but charting out a path as you see obstacles in the way. You have to really feel the mountain. You have to adjust to different situations. If you focus on your balance, you're not going to do very well. And when you actually grow in the skill of snowboarding and you begin to realize what it's like to snowboard and how you snowboard in rhythm, it's beautiful. It's freeing. Before I felt called to ministry, my sophomore year of college, which was a surprise to myself and everybody else around me, I was planning to move to Colorado to teach snowboarding. This is how much I love it. This is how incredible I think it is. And I think that snowboarding actually can show us a lot of how we desire life to be. And because I just want to show a snowboarding clip, I'm going to do that right now. But check this out. Check out this clip because this is how I think we want to live our life.
Dome. It was so good that the projector had to go out. That was me, by the way. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> the front row was like, no, it wasn't. But you see the flow and the rhythm in snowboarding. When, when you really begin to master that skill, you adjust to the surroundings. Some of those shots, right, you saw up on the ridge and adjusting to the ridge and then going over jumps and being able to control yourself while you're in the air. There's, it's beautiful. Some of you are like, I'm actually pulling out my phone to book a flight right now. I'm going to go out. But I think most of us don't actually live a life of rhythm. We live out of rhythm, and so we face burnout. We don't know adjust to situations around us. We have no flow. There's actually very little beauty in our life. And so our life feels a little bit more like this next clip I'm going to show you. Let's go, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Deserved it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> All right, that's good. That's a really long clip. Also, this week I got stuck in a rabbit hole of fail compilations. If you've ever done that before, I just, I got lost. I found so many. I was like, I don't know what to share. But I wanted to share that because if you notice, in the clip, there's very little rhythm. Fail compilations have the same thing in common, which is people are so focused on their balance. They're so focused on just pushing forward that they don't adjust. They go off a ramp and they're just balanced and then they do what you saw in multiple clips where they just kind of like slowly fall forward and Superman into their face. Or they get on a rail and they just balance and they slip right out and fall on their back. Or they, they're pushing forward and they're focused so much on just moving forward, this rigid, this stiff focus that they catch an edge and they eat it. So it's one of the problems in snowboarding is that you focus on your balance and you're stiff and you're rigid. You're just pushing forward. You're not adjusting at all and you have no rhythm and you're going to fall over and over and over again. And so many of us live our life that way. We're just pushing forward. We're looking ahead. We have very little adjustment. We're not even noticing what's around us. We're just stiff and rigid and running towards what we perceive to be good. See, this is the problem of burnout, is that you live out of rhythm because you're pushing ahead, you're not adjusting, you have no rhythm, you have no flow. It's not beautiful because you perceive that what you are doing is in fact good. And our passage tonight with Moses is doing this exact thing. 
He is living out of rhythm. He is facing burnout. He, have this, he has this stiff and rigid trajectory of how he is supposed to fulfill his calling. And he perceives it to be good. But it is not good. In fact, it is dangerous to him and to everyone around him. Now, it says in the beginning here that Moses was judging the people. That doesn't mean like a fashion designer that you come through like, I like that outfit. Yes, not that one. Wrong. That cloak, very nice. Not judging their attire or their appearance or even judging them spiritually like a, a spiritual policeman. He's not like kind of judging people and saying, God likes you. God doesn't like you. He's happy with that. He's not, ha- he's not doing that. Rather, Moses acting as a judge is doing three things. He's acting like a judge in the courtroom that we would be familiar with. He's settling disputes between people as he's judging the nation of Israel and its people as their leader. He's also judging as a pastor, meaning he's providing pastoral care and guidance. And he's acting like a counselor. So he's not only as a pastor answering questions about God, he's also counseling them on how they're to live in their life what God's law and word says about the different situations that they're facing. So he is acting as a judge in cases, as a pastor, and as a counselor to the people. And it says that he is fulfilling this calling, this responsibility, morning till evening, all day long, from the time the sun rises to the sun sets. He is before the people providing this kind of leadership and care for them. The very beginning of our passage in verse 13 tonight says this. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law, his name's Jethro, saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till Till evening. You see, he doesn't know where this conversation is going yet. He's sitting there and he's fulfilling his calling. He's pushing forward to what he perceives to be good. And his father-in-law, Jethro, comes and he says, hey, what are you doing? Why are you sitting here performing this task, this responsibility all alone? And Moses sees this as an opportunity to be like, well, <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm, I'm really doing something great. I'm really doing something great. In fact, I'm the first person here and I'm the last person to leave. Morning till evening. Let me tell you what I'm doing. And Moses says to his father-in-law, in verse 15, he says, Because the people come to me to inquire about God. They're coming to me as a pastor. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. So I'm I also providing that role as a judge. And I make them know the statutes of God and his law. They also come to me to gain guidance for how they're supposed to live in the different situations of their life. And so I'm also a counselor. He comes to his father-in-law and says, well, let me tell you why I'm here and why I'm alone, because the people need me. They need me to settle their disputes as a judge, to be a pastor, to answer questions about God, and also to be a counselor, to help guide them in their life. That's why I'm here. Isn't it great? Aren't I doing a great job, Jethro? 
He says this. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. Imagine how that felt. Wait, what? What I'm doing is not good. He said, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. You are facing burnout, Moses. For the thing is too heavy for you, and you are not able to do it alone. He says, what you're doing is not good. Moses, you perceive it to be good because everyone's gathering around you, and they need you to wear these three different hats depending on what they're facing, and you think that you're doing such a great job because you're here from morning till evening, and you're just pushing forward. You're charting your path. You're doing what you think is good, but it is not good. It is not good for you. You're going to wear yourself out. You are going to burn out, and it is not good for the people. You see, at this moment in Israel's history, they have about two to three million people. And you know how many pastors and counselors and judges they have? One. Moses. He is the judge and pastor and counselor for half of Miami-Dade. It's about the size, two to three million people sitting up there morning till evening, sorting out this stuff, thinking that what he's doing is good, but it is not good for the people or for him. He is facing burnout because he is living out of rhythm. And see, some of us, as we chart our path forward in our career, in our relationships, in different aspects of our life, because we perceive what we're doing to be good, and we're just rigid and stiff, and we're pushing forward, When we begin to face burnout and we feel that emotional and physical and mental exhaustion because there is prolonged and repeated stress, our natural tendency is to go to work-life balance. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, how many of you have read a book on work-life balance, have read an article on work-life balance, have listened to podcasts talking about work-life balance, have Googled work-life balance at least probably once a month, maybe once a week, maybe every day, to try to figure out how you're going to balance your life because you're facing burnout. Well, I'm here to tell you something that's going to be deeply encouraging to you. Work-life balance is impossible. You're like, wait, what? There's like a whole industry for this. Yes, and it's a lie. You will never achieve work-life balance. Do you know why? Because balance is flat. Balance is rigid and stiff. It's either balanced or it's not. And that is not how life is. Life is dynamic. Life is changing all the time. Your work probably changes every week, maybe every day. Your relationships change. The season of life that you're in and the things that are affecting you and the things that our responsibilities place on your shoulder are affecting you all at different times in different ways. Life is dynamic. And so if you're trying to live a balanced life, you're going to have to adjust your life like every hour to balance it out. Balance is unattainable. And if you seek to live a balanced life, you're just going to find burnout. You're going to burn yourself out. That's what Moses is doing. He's trying to balance as I'm just going to work from morning till evening, and this is my responsibility, and this is my calling. I'm the judge and the pastor and the counselor for two to three million people. That's kind of unattainable, but you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to push ahead. I'm going to be here. I'm going to provide this service to the people because I believe this to be good, and it is not good. There is no adjustment. There is no rhythm. There is no flow whatsoever in his life. 
And sometimes we do the same because we're trying just to balance instead of live in rhythm. You see, we should be people that live in rhythm, not just because snowboarding, you live in rhythm, and if you focus on balance, you're going to eat it, but because our entire world and nature speaks to the importance of living in rhythm. It's all around us. For instance, we have a rhythm to the year. They're called seasons. Some of you are like, there are no seasons in Miami. Yes, there are. It's about 20 degrees. Can you imagine if it was August all year long? That would be a disaster if just balanced. No, no, no. We need what's coming. We all need what's coming. We're holding out hope for December and January. There's a rhythm to your sleep. You don't just like all of a sudden close your eyes and like die and then wake up. You don't just go unconscious and wake up. You actually have a rhythm. You have a REM cycle or your different levels of consciousness. Your heartbeat has a rhythm and your heartbeat adjusts to what is happening around you. If you're running, it adjusts. If you're relaxed, it adjusts. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm to sowing and harvest seasons. You can't just plant a plant and then step back and be like some rain and some sun. It's going to work. No, you have to adjust depending on the environment, how much rain and how much sun. You have to adjust to it so that you can grow a crop. Even your focus has a rhythm. Some of you are like, I'm so focused. I'm so disciplined at work. I have this great work ethic. But if you don't recognize that your focus has a rhythm, you will be ineffective. You have to take breaks mentally. You have to have different things to focus on or else you will burn out because burnout is about living out of rhythm. But many of us don't live in rhythm. Why? Because instead of looking to the creator who has spoken the importance of rhythm in all of the aspects of his creation and in his word, we focus on our own creation. We are influenced by our own creation, mainly machines. Machines are what influence us. More than God's nature that speaks his truth and more than his word that reveals how we are to live. You're like, machines don't affect me. Think about a machine. What is a machine but an object that is never off, is always accessible, it doesn't need any rest. Its sole goal is to produce, to fulfill its function. It needs an update every once in a while to become more effective and efficient. And occasionally, it will need a reset. And it will follow this trajectory of producing with an update here and there, an occasional reset, no rest, always accessible until it dies. Think about our world. We live and work with really long work days. Longer and longer and longer. We are accessible 24-7. All the time we are accessible. We are constantly feeling a pressure to produce. Produce, produce, produce. So much so that we're always looking for ways to update ourselves. We're reading different books. We're listening to podcasts. We're taking additional classes. We're trying to gain additional skills because we want to update ourselves to increase our efficiency and our effectiveness and because we're a little bit afraid of the newer model that may come in and is younger and has maybe a better degree than us. So we're always trying to update ourselves. 
And we tell ourselves that we don't need rest, we just need an occasional reset. Just an occasional reset. It's all I need. And because we live like this, we're just charting forward, pushing everything else aside, not adjusting to anything in our life, living this balanced life, running after what we perceive to be good, and we're constantly facing burnout. One in four Americans are facing this. One in four of us probably in this room. And one of the saddest realities of living this way and being affected by these things is that we've lost our purpose. Some of us feel like we have no purpose but to produce. My purpose is to produce for the company, for the organization, or to produce a bigger and bigger paycheck. We have lost our purpose, and burnout is this common reality that we face time and time again. And this is exactly what's happening to Moses. He is pushing ahead. He has lost his purpose. He doesn't think he needs any rest. He's just providing a service and producing for the people because they're just, he just says, they're just here and they need me. And then look what his father-in-law says to him in verse 19. He says, now obey my voice. You need to listen to me. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. This had to have been good news for Moses because Jethro, his father-in-law, says, listen, not everything is wrong. In fact, your calling is true. You are called, Moses, to be a judge and to settle disputes. You are called to be a counselor and help them know how to walk according to God's laws. You are called to be a pastor and to answer questions about God. Your calling is right, but your execution is wrong. Your calling is right, but you perceive the way that you're executing to be good, and it is not good. You're going to burn yourself out and everybody else around you. Then he says, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. He says, your calling is right, Moses, but your execution is wrong. You have no rhythm in your life. You have this stiff, rigid focus on how you're supposed to fulfill the responsibilities and the calling that God's given you. You need to realize that you need to share the load. You need to bring in other people. You're robbing other people the opportunity to fulfill their calling because you're just hoarding it all and thinking somehow you're going to provide the service for two to three million people. You're going to burn them out and burn yourself out. You need to share the load. You need some boundaries. So one of the things that causes burnout is when you lack boundaries. One of the ways that many of us struggle with lacking boundaries is that we are yes people. How many of you are yes people? Yeah. Yes. Right? We are yes people. Just like Moses. Moses is a yes person. He says, well, they need me. The, the, The people need me. They want me to settle disputes and answer their questions about God and help them walk in their life. And so I just say yes, and I'm here from morning till evening. And he says, this is not good. 
Some of us are yes people because we believe that people need our help and we want to help. Or sometimes we just say yes because we know that we're capable of accomplishing the task and we can do it quickly. And sometimes we just say yes because we don't want to put other people out. A lot of us have many different motivations for why we constantly say yes. But when you lack boundaries and when you are a yes person, you not only rob other people the opportunity to fulfill their calling and to grow in that as well as Moses was doing, but you also reinforce this subtle belief in your heart that you are so important. This is exactly what happened with Moses. He was robbing other people the opportunity to fulfill their calling, sharing the load, and he also reinforced in his heart this belief that he was just way too important. He's way too important to say no. He's way too important to have boundaries and share the load. So Jethro, his father-in-law, says, listen, you need to have boundaries. Here's the structure. Important matters they can bring to you, and you can handle some of the people, but you need to share the load in this kind of tiered system of all varying degrees. You need to go find those people. You need to bring them together. You need to create a team. You can't be this yes person that thinks that you are kind of the savior for everybody. You're not as important as you think you are, Moses. But not only does Jethro's advice to him speak to Moses that he needs boundaries, but also that he's lacking support. He has no team. He's a one-man show. Jethro says, you need support. You need people around you. You see, when you're lacking support in different aspects of your life, it's a sign that you have no vision for that area of your life. I mean, Moses was fulfilling God's calling, but it wasn't good because he had no boundaries and he had no support and his calling had no vision. How in the world was he going to provide good pastoral care and counseling and be a good judge for two to three million people? There is no vision. He's just pushing ahead, producing for what he perceives to be good. And some of us, are doing the same thing. We're just pushing ahead in the different aspects of our life and we have no vision. We have no support. You gotta ask yourself that question. Do I have support? Do I have vision? Think about the different aspects of your life. Do you have vision for your career? Do you have vision for your friendships? Do you have vision for your marriage? Do you have vision for your parenting? Do you have vision for your church engagement? There are many different levels of your life, and the question is, do you have a vision for how you are to engage in them? Because if you don't have any vision, you're not going to find any support. Some of you are like, well, I don't know how I'm going to find support in some of these areas of my life. Like, I'm not, I can't go to my boss and be like, hey, I have a vision for my career, and I need to share the load. And your boss is like, no, I'm going to give you more now just for saying that. Thank you. Some of you are like, I, I don't know how I can, like, share the load and find support in my friendships. I don't really know how to do that. You may be sitting there thinking, I don't really know actually where I'm going to find this support to help cultivate and craft vision for the different areas of my life so that I don't just be a yes person with no boundaries and keep burning myself out running after what I perceive to be good. A lot of us struggle with finding that support, which is why the church is here. One of the gifts of the church 
to you and to me is that this is a place of support. Galatians 6.2 says this. I love this verse. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is a command to the church. Carry each other's burdens, and in doing so, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We are to carry each other's burdens. See, one of the main reasons why we have community groups here is to fulfill this verse. A community group is not just to have some kind of function in the middle of the week where people come together and you can read the Bible and share a few prayer requests and then go home. That's important. But it is about carrying each other's burdens. So I'm going to give you a charge. Can I give you a charge? A challenge? First for the community group leaders here in the room. Your call is to focus on creating an environment where people feel comfortable sharing their burdens. Not just a rigid format. We got to ask the questions. We got to get through it. Here's how the structure is. Here's what we do. Here's what we say. Everyone stay in line. There's got to be some rhythm to the community group. An environment where people feel comfortable sharing their burdens so that other people can carry them. And it starts with you as leaders. And for everyone else that's in a community group or not in a community group, your calling is to actually share. See, no one can carry your burdens unless you share what they are. A lot of us feel like, well, I've never experienced that in the church. I've never experienced other people coming around me and actually helping carry the burdens that I'm facing. The mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion that is coming upon my life because of the stress in these different situations. I've never seen that happen in the church. Well, the first question you have to ask yourself is, have you ever shared it? You cannot have, no one can carry your burdens unless you share them. So hopefully this week, everyone goes around in community group and says, here are my burdens. <laughs> That'd be an intense group. Be pretty awesome though. And some of you are here like, I, I, I want to find this kind of support. Well, you need to get in a community group. It's that simple. Where you can share your burdens and others can carry them. But see, this isn't only a call to share your burdens. It is also a call to step up to carry the burdens of others. That's what Galatians 6 is telling us. Church, we are called to carry each other's burdens. And I'm going to get on a soapbox here for a moment because this is important. I love this church. I love Sunday nights. I love this community. But if we do not have more people step up to carry the burdens of others, the few that are doing a lot are going to burn out. Did you hear that? The few that are doing a lot are going to burn out because there is a small group of people on the gather team, in kids ministry, the welcome team, the worship team, the creative team that makes this space, that leads community groups, that hosts at our home. There's a small group of people that carry the burdens for the whole community. It doesn't happen miraculously, Sunday nights or anything else. So my challenge to you is that if you are not engaged, if you have not stepped up to carry the burdens of the community, step up. It's our, it's our church, it's our community, we need each other, and we are all called to carry. Not just some that have the time, we are all called to carry. Because when you begin to carry the burdens of other people, it helps realign your heart and your focus and makes you realize that your vision for your career, for your relationships, for your church engagement is not about you. It shouldn't be all about you. You're involved 
And you get to experience the joy of fulfilling God's vision that he's given you for these different areas of your life, but your vision is bigger than you. It's about other people. And carrying the burdens of others and finding the support in the church by stepping up to carry and by sharing your burdens is a reset in your life to help you focus and remember what it's like to live life in rhythm. Instead of just charting ahead to what we perceive to be good and facing burnout time and time again. And this is what was happening with Moses. He had no boundaries and he had no support. He wasn't carrying the burdens of other people. He thought he was because of the service he was providing, but not really. He didn't have this community of people around him that he could challenge and encourage and celebrate. And they could challenge and encourage him as they were all mutually carrying each other's burdens. He just was a one-man army. Kind of providing this because he's so important. But he needed the support of others. He needed other people to carry part of the burden. And he needed to help carry the burden of others as well. And some of that meant step back, Moses. Step back. Don't do as much. Because what was happening with Moses is that he was overperforming in his calling as a judge and pastor and counselor, and he was underperforming in other aspects of his life. And this is what happens when you're facing burnout. When you live the life out of rhythm, you will overperform in one area of your life and underperform in others. You may be crushing at work right now, but your relationships may be a mess. You may be really developing and deepening your friendships but your spiritual life is non-existent and your focus at work and discipline is also non-existent. When you are living out of rhythm and you're facing burnout time and time again, you're going to overperform in one area and underperform in others. And this is is what's happening with Moses. He is overperforming morning till evening, providing for two to three million people. And his father-in-law comes and says, what you're doing is not good. And we don't know the specifics of Moses' life, but if his father-in-law is coming and saying that what you're doing is not good, we're can kind of assume that he's underperforming at home in his marriage. And he comes and says, you need to change things up. He says this in verse 23. He says, if you do this, like if you listen to me and you live life in rhythm and you make these adjustments, you have boundaries and some support, God will direct you and you will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. If you do this, Moses, God is going to direct you, and there will be peace for all the people. Something we all desire, that you desire, Moses, and the people desire. It's interesting there that he says earlier, Moses, if you listen to me, God will be with you. And then here he ends by saying, Moses, if you listen to me, God will direct you. Meaning, the way Moses is operating currently God isn't directing him, and God is not with him. He is living out of rhythm with God, and this is the main catalyst of burnout. You can do everything to build this rhythm, to adjust to your surroundings. You can work at not being a yes person and have boundaries, and and you can find support. But if you are living out of rhythm with God, you are going to face burnout time and time and time again. Time and time again. Again, and Jesus actually promises in Matthew 11 to protect you against burnout. Listen to what he says. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you want rest? (laughs) 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says when, when, when you're stressed, when you're mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted, and you're facing burnout, and you're living out of rhythm, come to me. Give it to me. Come to me in my word. Come to me in prayer. Come to me in worship with my people. Come to me, and I will take it from you. You see, the gospel reminds us that Jesus, when he went to the cross, he took your sin and your failure, and he paid for it once and for all, so that through faith, you can come to a relationship with God where you know that he has a purpose for you. There's meaning for your life. There's vision attached to every different aspect of your life. And when you come to find that through faith, you will know that the joy of the Lord is in those kids screaming. (laughs) There's vision attached to the youth, the kids' ministry in the back. (laughs) No, but hear this. Jesus says, come to me, and I will take your burdens upon me, and I will give you one that is light he says, when you come to me, you can learn from me. Someone was like, how do I learn from God? Well, first, you got to come to him. you got to come to him in prayer. you got to come to him in worship. you got to prioritize your time with God. If you are living out of rhythm with God, you will face burnout time and time again. Psalm 23, I want to close with this. Verses 1 through 3. You know, when you come to faith in Jesus, he's not only your Savior, but he's your What? Someone say it out. He's not only your Savior, but He's your what? Your shepherd, your Lord. He's your Savior and your Lord. He is your shepherd. He is guiding you. So take that in as you hear the first three verses here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Think about this verse in the context of burnout. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me to green pastures by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He directs and he guides and he brings rest for your soul. How do you care for your soul in burnout? There's a lot of practical things you can do. But if you're living out of rhythm with God, you're never going to find rest for your soul. That's the encouragement of God's word. Find rest for your soul by coming to Jesus and learning from him. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you don't leave us alone here. Jesus, you didn't come to live and die and rise from the dead for our eternal salvation and then just leave us alone to fend for ourselves until we die and meet you. You are with us. You are near to us. You direct and guide us. You have given us vision for every aspect of our life. You have called us to come together as your people, to give support to one another, to carry each other's burdens. You have encouraged us to have boundaries and not to think of ourselves as too important. And ultimately, Jesus, you have said that when we are facing emotional and mental and physical exhaustion, when we are burned out, Come to you. Come to you and find grace. Come to you and find rest. 
And you, as our Lord and our shepherd, you will guide us. You will direct us in the paths of righteousness, the right paths. Help us, Lord, tonight to see what is actually good as opposed to what we perceive as good. As we begin to walk forward towards you, would you give us rest for our souls? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.